It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. It's the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Walter Storholt back with you once again alongside Matt Hausman, the founder of Old Security Group with an office in Westchester, PA, Newark, Delaware, and serving clients all across the great USA. You can find us online by going to smartmoneyquestions.com. That's smartmoneyquestions.com. Matt, how's 2019 treating you so far? Can't complain, you know. (laughs) We're barely into it, so that's probably a good thing, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm back up here in the cold. I'd have to get on your case if you were complaining, you know, just a couple of days into the new year. That's right. Yeah, you have to there's wait no t- reason to complain ever, right? That's right. Well, I was just going to say you have to wait till February at least. You just you got to make it through <laughs> January. Well, we've got a good show today. Speaking of complaining, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I think a lot of people have complaints about the financial world where they're concerned or they complain that it's too complex or that there are too many buzzwords used or that it's just hard to understand certain terminology in the financial landscape. And today's episode, I think, is a perfect example of that. Actually, before you yeah. go, let me address that. I, what you said, I think the financial markets in general have done exactly what you're talking about. There's all this financial jargon instead of just speaking in terms of understandability. How's that? Yeah. I don't know if that's a word or not. I just made it up, but well, well, there's, you're, you're uh, exactly right. There's uh, Ryan Gosling, right, in the, um, in the big short. You know, he's going through some terminology and he turns to the camera. If anybody's seen the big short, he turns to the camera and he says, you know, what were they talking about? What tranches and, you know, some of these other bizarre terms back from the 2008 financial crisis. And he starts speaking to the audience and he goes, do you hear these terms? Do they make you feel stupid? Well, that's what they want you to feel. <laughs> that's exactly right. It's, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've had people come in looking to come on board as clients and that they've went and they've met with or they've had another advisor and they come in. And I mean, and a lot of it is compliance. I'm not going to say that it's not, that it's just part of what we have to do. But the idea of creating all of this jargon just to confuse I just think is it's the wrong direction that the industry has been going and will probably continue to go for the various reasons of regulation and compliance and stuff. But you're exactly right. There's so much out there that is just what in the world are they talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, I was at a conference in early December and I remember that I was talking to this other advisor. If I remember, the advisor was out of Texas and he had a, a vendor come in to his office looking, you know, that they were wanting to do business with him and his clients. And the person started talking and going over all this stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, I have no idea what in the world you are talking about. And if I don't understand, how in the world am I going to explain it to a client? (laughs) (laughs) And this is something we do every day. So I actually had that written down as a solo podcast or a side thought podcast idea is just the financial jargon is there, just like what you said, I believe to confuse. Yeah. Yeah. 
unfortunately. And there's different motivations, as you kind of touched on there, for why. I'll let you uh, explore that idea maybe some more in one of those future podcasts. But I think today's is a good, then, more a minute example, or it's a microcosm of that larger problem. So there's this buzzword out there called, uh, well, before I even give you the buzzword, although you've probably already seen it in the headline of today's show, but this is a perfect example. So risk, right? Simple word. Four letters, risk. We kind of can all pretty easily define that. We all know what it means to be risky, to take risks. We can wrap our mind pretty well around that. And if we're just talking risk with your money, well, okay, that seems pretty simple, right? It's probably the risk of, what, losing that money. But then in the financial world, we have to take it that step further, and we call this thing risk tolerance, risk tolerance. And then whenever you say it, you have to kind of put it in that you know more sophisticated voice, risk tolerance. <laughs> um, you know, and I think, Matt, any advisor worth his or her salt is going to have a conversation with you about risk. But a good one is going to explain what this buzzword means. They're not going to use it to try and confuse you, or maybe they don't use it at all. I don't know. I'm interested to get your opinions on this as we kind of march through it. But it's one of these buzzwords that just by adding an extra little word kind of makes the whole conversation a little bit more confusing. So let's dive in here and see if we can fix this problem for at least risk and risk tolerance and give you the 411 on what you need to know there. So let's start with the basics, Matt, obviously. How do you describe risk tolerance to somebody who is unfamiliar with that concept? I simply describe it this way. Risk tolerance means how much can your stomach handle seeing your values go down? Okay. So how much volatility, how much roller coaster ride? And the biggest part of the roller coaster ride is the down, mm-hmm. right? And being able to stomach that and not make rash emotional decisions because that's where investors it's been proven time and time and time again when they allow their emotions to make investment decisions they really hurt themselves yeah and so understanding how much of that volatility most important down is really important to then developing an investment portfolio i hear uh, tolerance and i think pain tolerance i think pain You're exactly right. And so risk tolerance, how much pain, how much risk can you survive, can you deal with, can you emotionally handle? Yes, that's exactly right. And it really is identifying the emotional aspect of whatever you're looking to invest in and how much risk is there. Because in almost any investment, there is some element of risk, really in just about any investment, right? There is an element in some form or fashion of risk, and especially if you're investing in the markets, is being able to identify how much am I willing to tolerate in picking up my statement and seeing the value go down. Because no one really cares when it's going up. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter what your, your pain tolerance is then when everything's good. It doesn't matter until you actually start feeling that pain. Exactly. Um, so obviously kind of the next evolution, I think, of understanding this concept is before we even get into, you know, if you have high risk tolerance or low risk tolerance, what do you then, you know, choose to do with that? Or how does that impact your plan? Before we even get to there, we have to make sure if we're actually accurate, because I don't know about you, Matt, but when I was a kid, we used to play this game, you know, amongst the other youngins that we'd be running around with and getting into trouble with, you know, where we might like punch each other in the arm and see who can punch (laughs) each other the hardest, you know, that kind of thing. And everybody's trying to prove they're the tough guy. Everybody's trying to prove that they have a high 
in this case, it was pain tolerance, but let's, for the sake of the example, a high risk tolerance. Then you have that buddy who sticks his, uh, what is the, the knuckle, sticks one of his little knuckles out. So when he hits, oh, yeah. hits you, it's a little bit sharper pain, a little bit harder. And you start to go, oh, Ow, oh, oh. you know you don't want to have any tears drawn out this sounds so funny as a you know a kid this was like a no big deal thing and now in today's society i feel like i don't know we're going to get emails and phone calls about you know just awful things or abuse or you know how wrong society is that we did that to each other back then but anyway we'd punch each other and you know you'd find out pretty quickly who was accurate in their guess of you know just how tough they'd be in that situation so <laughs> that's right I imagine it's the same thing in the financial world that people don't always have their estimates of their own risk tolerance matching up with what it is in real life yeah and you know many times you know we were talking earlier Wall Street the jargon and people will start talking about the range of percentages. Okay, well, you know, this portfolio, the range is a negative 12 to a positive 22. And the way I always address helping somebody identify their own risk tolerance is you don't talk in percentages. Okay. You talk in dollars. So we'll use that example, $100,000. And if my range is, what did I say, 12 and 22? Mm-hmm. So... Can I tolerate seeing my $100,000 fluctuate all the way down to 88,000, 12% loss, and then on the top side, my 100,000 going all the way up to 122? Hmm. And if the 12 happens at the beginning and the 22 happens after, you know, that's where if people haven't identified that, that initial loss or when it starts to come down, and they make an emotional decision, and then they pop it all out, pull it out, and let's let's say it's not all the way down to eighty-eight; it's at ninety-one. They've pulled it out. That was the emotional decision because they hadn't recognized how much of that actual dollar amount has gone down. And what many people, and I talk about it and preach about it all the time, is in this case they're just looking at a statement. I can't tell you how many times I've heard. I don't look at the whole statement. I look at the bottom line, the first page. What was it last month? What is it this month? Right? Yep. Instead of looking what's happening, you know, on the subsequent pages, that's where you have to be okay. And really being able to identify, let's think about the pain tolerance. So you're talking about, you know, your buddy punches you in the shoulder, <laughs> right. right? How much pain do I have to take before he's going to see it in my face and he knows he got me? Mm-hmm. Right. The idea is we don't want to show that. Well, the same thing can be said in investing. I want to help a client be able to identify what that is. It doesn't mean that when it's going down, they're not unhappy. We all are. It's painful. Taking that shot in the shoulder, it's painful. Right. But making sure that we're okay with that decline in value, because keep in mind, it's not a recognized loss until I actually pull it out to then be able to see it go back up. That's actually a really good point, not to cut you off, Matt, but I, I just think that was really huge. It's it's not that you're not going to experience pain, you know, getting hit in the arm. I could still tolerate it. But after two, Correct. three, four, five, seven times, maybe I can't tolerate it anymore. Same thing with the financial world. Just because you have a high risk tolerance doesn't mean you have no risk or that you won't be exposed to it. Right. I think that just and in some that, cases, it's going to hurt. It's going to, yeah. you're not going to, you're not going to like seeing that, but that's just part, I hate to say it, it's just part of the game, right? Anywhere we look to invest our money. I mean, heck, even if it's in a savings account, you know, if we go back to the 08 crisis, remember if you had money in IndyMac? 
Who? I think that was the fourth or sixth largest bank. You know, so then you're waiting for the FDIC to pay it out. They don't even have to pay the interest you were due. Yeah. You know, so anywhere you look at that, it's helping a client be able to recognize what's their emotional tolerance. So then you can advise correctly on making sure that what you are advising them on and how you're looking to help them invest their money is within their overall tolerance of emotional ups and downs. So expand on that. So you kind of determine somebody's risk tolerance. So like, yeah, I can absorb a lot of this ups and downs or no, I'm very, very squeamish about any up and down. It gives me heart palpitations. I can't sleep at night. How does that then impact how you put the plan together? One of the first things it does, especially if someone is coming in, and I I had this happen earlier, actually last year, was somebody that had a very, 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 very low risk tolerance. I mean, very low. And helping them recognize, so then what I'm looking at here is, okay, for them to be able to accomplish the goals that they have in place, they're going to have to be okay with increasing their risk tolerance. Currently, their risk tolerance is zero, right? All money in like savings accounts. But to be able to retire and the money that they have amassed is coaching them through the process. Listen, we can still create an overall very conservative direction for you, but that still means that there's going to be little bits and pieces of the overall money that's going to have a little bit more volatility. But if you can condition your mind or train your, your mind to not just concentrate on those, but look at the overall performance then that can help you deal with those emotional issues of that one little bucket of money going up and down. And I think that really is, you know, when we're talking to clients, and I think one of the questions we got back in the summer was the idea of, I'm coming into retirement, should I put all my money in bonds? If I remember right, that was one of the questions. Right, and, or, or yeah, I've, I've always heard, get out of stocks and into bonds. Correct, yeah. yeah, that's what it was. And the idea is, is just because we're in retirement doesn't mean that we still don't have to look at the long-term. Retirement is a 20, 25, 30-year experience. And so with that, we have to recognize that even during retirement, you know, I remember I sat down with a woman, she was a referral, and her husband had passed away about two years before that. And uh, I think she was 78, 79 years old, been retired since she was 60. And she was getting ready to sell her home and she was going to move into one of those active, continuous care, over 55 type of communities. And she just wanted a second opinion. She already had an advisor. Just wanted a second opinion to see if it was doable. And so I sat down with her. And when I reviewed her, where a good portion of her investments were, I I just advised her, listen, I just want to make sure you're aware. You've got about 65% equities or stock and 35% bonds. Are you aware of that risk factor? And, And I just loved her comment. She goes, oh, absolutely. And he had to talk me into getting more, getting more bonds. I should let me clarify, getting more bonds and getting out of stocks. But she goes, I, I've recognized I've been retired for so long that that money, I'm okay with it going up and down because I know I'm going to, that's helping me outpace inflation. And you're telling me that I can afford to go into this continuous care facility. And a lot of it is determined based on that money. And so it's helping a client recognize that 
retirement is really a long-term proposition now with you know life expectancy continually increasing and being healthy longer into our you know late 70s early 80s i was with someone the other day and both of the parents are over 90 still extremely active and so identifying the risk tolerance is really important and then if someone does have a low risk tolerance is coaching and teaching and advising them through the process to look at the overall not just the couple different buckets of money that that we know we're going to have to accept a little bit more ups and downs well it's always interesting i think breaking these buzzwords down getting deeper into them and as you can see risk tolerance leads to a larger discussion i always like to sometimes come back to this word normal you know, what's normal? Am I normal? If somebody's kind of wondering, they think they have an idea of maybe what their risk tolerance is, wondering, is it like other people? Am I a weirdo? <laughs> am, I, am I like other folks in this scenario? What do you think most people have in terms of risk tolerance? Is it pretty similar across the board or all over the map? You know, it's funny you say that. Everyone is looking to be part of the group. Yeah. Right? Most, so that, most that, of the time. That, that, yeah. I, get that, I get that question a lot. You know, what are other people doing and i remember reading a study that said many times people if the group is wrong they'd rather be wrong with the group than be right on the outside isn't that something and i think when we look at that instead of wanting to know what everyone else does i caution people in that and really help them direct into themselves it's kind of like you know we should not be in competition with others we should only be in competition with ourselves. sure and helping someone really identify. You know, I've got clients that because of certain financial situations, especially with income, pensions, and I, you know, I've got a couple clients, really strong pensions and really strong social security. And they can afford to take on a lot more risk than someone that doesn't have that strong pension. So that goes into it as, as, and, and they do. So it's not even you how know? they feel about it. Their situation dictates that. That's right. In other words, they don't really have to worry about the money they saved because of the pensions and the Social Security is more than meeting the income need. And so then that goes to, okay, well, what's the purpose of the money? And can you invest this money if it's going to go to the next generation? Well, let's invest it as if they're currently the owners and they might be 40. Well, someone that is... 40 years old and doesn't need the money right now because they're in their working years, they can invest it a lot differently as compared to being 65 and they don't have a pension. And the only thing they have is going to be social security income and whatever they have amassed. And so I caution people in, and I get that question a lot. You know, what are other people doing? Do we, I get this one up. Do we look like your other clients? Huh? You know, how much do I need when I retire, you know, we think those are general questions, but they're really drilled down specifically Yeah. as we get into someone's personal situation and then developing the plan for them and risk tolerance or, or that discussion is going to be there. And you know, one thing, and I'm going to kind of jump onto another one that I don't believe gets talked enough. And that is what's called the sequence of return or the sequence of return risk tolerance. So what I mean by that is the sequence of returns, if we know we can't predict where returns are going to go and we first identify the risk tolerance, how much I'm willing and can stomach my statements going down, is then what about the sequence in which they come? Hmm. So if we go and we look at you know, the sequence of return risk, 
I would say that the early 2000s was more painful than the financial crisis of 08. And people say, what in the world are you talking about? Well, in 08 into early 09, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was painful. And, and the market values across the board went dramatically down. And then as soon as they hit the bottom, they shot back up. If you go look, 09 actually had a positive 35% return over what it did in 08. But if you think about the early 2000s, the year 2000 was down. The year 2001 was down. And the year 2002 was down. That's three years of down for a total loss, if I remember right, in the low 40s. So now we're talking about sequence of return risk. Can I accept seeing that for 36 months? Oof. Versus... 2008 into 2009 was essentially that down and then that shoot back up was a 12 to 18 month scenario. Now people will say, well, you know, even at the end of 09, I wasn't made whole. You're correct because we still at the bottom, even with that 35% return, you're starting with a lower basis, right? But at least you're seeing the value start to climb back up. So the idea is in sequence of return risk, along with risk tolerance, is recognizing that, so we'll go back to that 12 and 22, negative 12, positive 22. What if the negative 12 takes three years to get there? That's a long What's time that? not seeing the uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of a sudden now, all that junk you're seeing on the internet, oh my God, they're right. I better buy some bullets and get some gold, right? <laughs> and seeds. Don't forget the seeds. <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. I need some topsoil. So I think, you know, it's all of that, that goes into play. And, and that's why, you know, if we go back to Wall Street and the financial industry, I really think the job of the advisor is to work with the client and help them be able to recognize themselves and, and what they can do. And then they can go ahead and use their financial expertise to develop the plan for them. But then I think after that, it really is coaching clients, teaching clients and advising clients to go through those time periods to remind them of why we're doing what we're doing and why we did what we did and we spoke about this to help them not make emotional decisions. I remember, I want to say it was 2012, 2013, I had a woman in my office and her husband had, had passed away a couple years before that prematurely. And I remember her talking about that at the end, I believe, of 2001, he was not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, put all the money in cash, recognized the loss, had not ever invested it again. Hmm. Maybe he had a financial advisor. I, I, quite frankly, I don't remember. So here she was. And we actually did a podcast on this. You know, That was a question. My wife won't get involved, should I? This was a situation where she was like, I don't know what to do. I just know that he got out in 2002 and he had to come back. And this is 12 years later. or ten, I'm sorry, 10 years later, right? And so being able to identify that and then really coaching and helping someone identify it first. And I always tell clients and they hear me say this all. I always talk about the bad way more than I talk about the good because when markets are up and everyone's fat and happy, you know, my phone's not ringing. Right. But when the markets are going down, that's all of a sudden where everyone comes out and it's coaching people through that emotional issue because it really is, you know. It's, hey, listen, when we did this two years ago, one year ago, nine years ago, remember, we accounted for these type of things. So we're going to go over here and, 
and take money out of this bucket because we're not seeing those type of losses. But we have to be able to help people identify it, understand what it is, deal in terms that they can understand. That's why I don't talk percentages. I show dollars. Hey, listen, if that $100,000 goes to 88, are you freaking out? Yes or no? I mean, that's your money right now. Is it happening? Or let's say it's a million. If that million dollars goes to 880,000, are you freaking out? Are you blowing my phone up? And I joke with clients when I'm saying, but, but I'm really being serious because if it is, then let's talk more about that than if that million goes to 1.22. You follow what I'm saying? I do. I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but, and you got me going because talking about the financial industry as a whole and all the jargons and everything, but this is so important to, in my opinion, help people recognize and then coaching them through that process because we know some parts of the overall plan are going to experience down. It's not always up. If it was always up, then Bernie Madoff wouldn't be in jail. (laughs) (laughs) Great points as always, Matt. And just to think one conversation about a little buzzword like risk tolerance would, you know, like the match and set you off on your way, but that's what it does. And that's why a lot of people I think get disenfranchised, disengaged when it comes to talking about their finances and working with an advisor because sometimes it does get complex. But hopefully that gives you kind of the full story on risk tolerance and shows you that you can be educated about these things. You can learn about them yourself while you're getting assistance from somebody on the outside like Matt Hausman and get that objective opinion of what you're doing from a financial perspective. If you've got, and, and qu- Let me jump yeah. on what you said, Walter. I really like it. The key is don't give up. Okay. If you're hearing that junk and you don't understand it, keep digging, keep digging, keep asking those questions and find someone that speaks language that you understand. It might not be me. You might be listening to what I just said and going, good night. I don't know what the heck that guy was talking about, (laughs) you know, but find someone that can speak your language. You know, many of you know, my dad was a minister. He got the calling after his schooling. And I always remember him talking about the idea, or I would hear from you know, members of the congregation that my dad had a unique ability to be able to preach to them, not in the King James language, hmm. but be able to actually speak in, quote, layman's terms. And and I thought that was a great talent that my dad had because his schooling was as a chemical engineer. Wow. I didn't right? know that was, part. Yeah, he worked for a good night, I think, eight years as a chemical engineer for Goodyear and Borg Warner in research. And then he decided to go into the ministry and for him to have that ability to not speak over people's heads. And so many times in the financial industry that happens. So, you know, don't give up, find someone that can really be able to speak in language that you can understand and help you not just give up on quote, understanding your financial situation. Well said. And again, if you, as I remind you each and every episode, want to get in touch with Matt with your own Smart Money Questions and talk about your plan, you can do it at smartmoneyquestions.com. Email info at smartmoneyquestions.com. And you can call 610-719-3003. That's 610-719-3003. Next week, Matt will have a solo podcast for you, so be sure to get ready for that one, and then we'll be back together two weeks from now, and we look forward to talking to you then. Matt, thanks for the help as always on the podcast and breaking down risk tolerance for us, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Sounds great. Talk to you soon. That's Matt Hausman. I'm Walter Storhol. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time on Smart Money Questions. Smart Money Questions.